Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you're planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. So thanks for tuning in. Today, we're sharing our experiences connecting with people of the national parks, specifically Cuyahoga Valley and American Samoa. I'll also get quizzed about some NPS visitor stats, and we'll answer a frequently asked question about bears. So, happy favorite holiday ever. It's Halloween. It is Halloween, and we are probably the least... um, Halloween enthusiasts, Halloween... I mean, I used a Snapchat filter today. Okay. It's about as far as it goes. This is probably the least I've celebrated Halloween. I feel kind of bad about it. I don't. I hate Halloween. Halloween is honestly my least favorite holiday ever. I think it's the costumes. I just am not a costume person. I do not enjoy dressing up. I always feel like it's a lot of pressure to get the perfect costume and everybody's judging you and is you that, have, have to be really creative. Is so. that why you were really creative with your costume this year? Yeah, no, <laughs> I didn't have any type of costume. But you did get $3 Chipotle. I got my burrito. Burrito. But let's talk about you, what you did while well, I was at school finishing up a group project. You took a nap. were here well, for all the kids to get their candy yeah but instead of handing it out and saying hello to all those (laughs) sweet little kids in their costumes and listening to their hilarious jokes you set out a pumpkin full of candy and then went upstairs to take a nap (laughs) isn't that much better though i don't know that sounds a hundred times yeah but you also left the lights on inside and all the kids you said you heard them saying but why are the lights on inside? Okay, they didn't sound like that. They were, nobody. Why no kid, isn't anybody here? Honestly, it makes me so sad. <laughs> honestly, as a kid, weren't you so much more relieved when there was just a bowl of candy and you didn't have to talk to anyone? You just got candy. I think you just hate talking to people, so that sounds like you. But that's funny because today we are talking about people of the parks and all those people we had to talk to. <laughs> and I did the enjoy parks. it. I did enjoy it. Yeah. But a lot. First, I think you oh, have something for me. First, we have a game. Okay. And this is a little different. So sometimes we talk about current events and sometimes, you know, we talk about fun stuff going on in the national parks. And I like to quiz Cole about something. So this is just. I pulled some statistics um, about the two parks that we're going to be talking about today. And I'm just going to quiz him in a fun sort of way that I think is fun. <laughs> so <laughs> Basically to prove how stupid I am. No, that's not true. I think it's going to be funny. It's not funny, but interesting. So, all right. I'm going to give Cole four statistics, and he has to rank them. From the smallest number to the biggest number. Okay. Okay, so here are the four values. So the first one would be the number of volunteers in Cuyahoga Valley National Park. These are all, any of these statistics, all these statistics come from the NPS website. Okay. And they're all from 2015. Okay. Okay. So um, the number of Cuyahoga Valley volunteers. All right. 
The second one is the number of total American Samoa visitors. Okay. Right, for the whole year. All right. The the third one is the number of um, permanent American Samoa employees. Okay. And then the last one is the percentage of Cuyahoga Valley visitors who stay for just one day. And I hmm. wanted to give you a broad, like, scope of the different kind of visitors, different kind of people that make up these parks. Okay. I think I got it. Okay. Go. So. From smallest. I And this was not very hard because these numbers were right. very. They're pretty different. They're very different. Okay, I could have made it way harder. smallest to greatest. Yes. Smallest is the number of people who work at American Samoa, the number of park staff. The next smallest is the percentage. I am not looking at the screen. (laughs) Chill out. (laughs) I don't care that much to cheat. Okay, keep going. Okay, the percentage, the Uh next number is the percentage of people who stay for more than one night um, or a night at Cuyahoga Valley. One day. Not One a day, night. Whatever. It's yeah. a percentage, so it's probably <laughs> between <laughs> okay, like just keep going. under 100. Okay, then the third greatest number is the um, number of visitors to American Samoa, and the fourth greatest is the volunteers at Cuyahoga Valley. That is, that is the greatest number. Oh, you were so close. You're going strong. You just mixed up the last two. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So more volunteers or more right. visitors than volunteers. Yeah, but that makes sense. Yeah, you know. but there are a ton of volunteers at Cuyahoga Valley. Right. So here, here's the answers. Number of permanent employees: twenty five at American Samoa. It's funny because they also have 24 firefighters on staff, which I think is <laughs> funny. They're not permanent. But uh, percent of people who stay for one day is 96. The number of volunteers was 6,281. At Cuyahoga Valley. Yes. And the number of visitors total for American Samoa was 13,892. Okay. Now I know. That's yeah. a lot of visitors. It is, yeah. It's more than I thought. It's what, 50, I think it's 58th most visited, though. <laughs> Still pretty low. Yeah. It's um, in, I was going to put in there, I probably should have done this, but in, in November of 2015, only 215 people visited American Samoa. Nice. Pretty low. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what it was when in our month when we oh, yeah, went last January. Yeah. Or this January. But cool. Thanks for showing me up yeah so now (laughs) i love to i don't have you won any of these quizzes yet no no i think that's on purpose because you make them but anyway we're gonna get going with our topic for today people of the parks is our term for this project we just created for ourselves where every throughout the year every park we went to we Uh, made sure to meet up with somebody and have a conversation with at least one person, uh, you know, ranger, concession, employee, visitor, local resident, foreign traveler, whoever, and really find out their story, figure out why they're in the park, why it's important to them, and what they're up to. And I will say that we should really trademark this term, people of the parks, because it has gotten some use out there. I, f- 
I uh, we've heard it, seen it pop up a couple <laughs> times in uh, with some other travelers. So, um, you know, we it was new when we came to it. Correct. So, yeah, we yeah. it was a, it was a, an original switchback kids term. That's right. I think I think it was such a cool project though, and kind of like we alluded to earlier, this is definitely not something that I'm extremely comfortable with comfortable with all the time is talking to people and you know meeting strangers and just striking up a conversation and Cole is definitely more up Cole's alley but it was so good and I think it gave us a broader perspective on what makes the parks the parks like what makes them great and it's people it always it will always I think come down to people and we could have you know just spent time talking to other travelers like us, and gotten more, uh, you know, a deeper, f- deeper um, spectrum, wider spectrum of our perspective. But I think talking to even, you know, our first person in the parks was someone who worked, was a concession, concessionaire, em- a concessionaire employee um, who worked at the, you know, the little shop, the little camper store in Great Sand Dunes. And I think even just, talking to so many different types of people that make the parks the parks i think that is an awesome was an awesome project that we did for sure very proud of it so yeah we got to just talk with a bunch of people from artists uh in residence to even composers in residence and other travelers young old all different countries and just loved it, the stories we heard. So we're going to talk about just a few of those stories. They're all actually on our blog under the People of the Parks tab. So if you go to our um, blog and then you click National Parks tab and then you drop that down, you can see all the People of the Parks uh, by just clicking People of the Parks. We've, again, done one for every every... Um, park and usually they came really naturally just through meeting people on the trail or at a ranger program or at camp Um, just I can really think of two times where we really had to force it per se (laughs) like the bug uh oh well that too yeah in Congaree it was flooded so our people and, and nobody was there yeah I think there we met two other people and two dogs yeah the whole time we were there so we made a bug yeah our person of the parks that week and in North Cascades, we also didn't run into a single other person on any trail that we hiked. And so I don't think we we had like maybe so the some of the native people. Right, Is we talked we about the native people who who used to be and there. They, you know, they you know they contribute to the parks too. Yeah, they were the, the land ancient, and the ancient people of the parks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and start, Cole. Yeah, our Cuyahoga first, Valley. Yeah, the first park we're going to talk about is Cuyahoga Valley, and this. We wanted to bring we wanted to bring up this park when we talked about people of the parks because we had such a cool um, encounter with some awesome people of the parks at this park, and it was really when I think we started leaning, you know, accepting people's generosity. Not that we had rejected anyone's generosity before, but I really think it it made us think differently about how. You know, we can kind of lean on people sometimes. When yeah, they, we can accept when they support because um, mm-hmm. it's a you know it's a challenging thing what we're doing at times, and people just were there to help us out a lot when we most needed it. 
and it, not that we necessarily asked for it, but um, people are just so generous all around the country. That was just something so cool that we found. So let's let's tell our story about how we about you know these these people at the parks, and then we'll kind of go into just talking about our experiences at Cuyahoga Valley. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Let me set the scene <laughs> because it's freezing. First of all, we we went on a, a sh- very short trail to go see a waterfall, mm-hmm. it, um, and it was you know the afternoon. It had we had camped the night before and it was freezing cold. We, I probably wore f- three coats. I think it was sleeting. <laughs> it was sleeting the night before when it, we camped, and then we were planning on camping again. You know we had to walk a li- like a fourth of a mile with our gear and then set up camp somewhere along the trail, and. Um, so we weren't looking forward to it. No. <laughs> but we were on this trail, you know, right before we were about to go set up camp. And then we have this family come up to us and they ask us, are you those people with the car in the parking lot that are going to all the national parks? Because our car had a magnet on it that kind of told about what we were doing. And we're like, yeah, that's us. And yeah. this is what we're doing. And, you know. And they were super interested and, you know, wanted to ask some questions and, and um, so it was a, a couple, and then their two kids, and then the, then t- two of their parents, two of the the guy's parents, right? Right. And so it was this this nice little three generation family, and the grandparents they they had all sorts of questions like, w- you know, where are you staying, and who's are you, is are you is anyone taking care of you? And <laughs> <laughs> they were very they were very kind. Right. And so, you know, we had had a couple of those interactions before, and people are usually very curious, and we love telling them about the story. So we didn't think too much of it, and we just got back, you know, went back to the parking lot, and they were kind of exploring the waterfall a little more. And then as we were pulling out, we uh, ran into them uh, on the street, and they stopped us, and they said, what what are you doing tonight? Because uh, we'd like to invite you to dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, this might be kind of weird because we don't <laughs> really know you, so I hope you don't take it the wrong way, but we'd love for it, it if you could join us for dinner. Um, and, you know, maybe even a warm bed because you were telling us that you were going to be camping out in this weather, and it's not great. And it, we could not have been more elated at yeah. that moment we were like giddy we were so excited i think we had to pretend to think about it for about <laughs> five seconds instead of just immediately right. jumping at it um right. it, but it, you know it was a, a really nice family and they're having a nice pizza dinner um after they went to church and th- that was just their saturday night and we were so uh, it was so nice that we could be a part of it. So we did. We went, um, you know, drove out uh, of the park a little ways and great dinner, had an, you know, an awesome comfy bed and shower. And it was so wonderful. Yeah. And it was just <laughs> out of nowhere. That that made it the best because um, they were just so generous and, you know, loved hearing, swapping more stories. We, you know, told about each other's travels and it was, it was just great. Yeah. You love those type of encounters. And I, I will always remember that as kind of one of the first really cool things like that that happened. Like the first super nice, 
not the, I mean, we met so many nice people, but just to just completely open up their house like that to us, that, that didn't happen too often on our trip. And this was definitely the first moment of like, whoa, the, like these, there are some amazing people out there. Yeah. So we are eternally grateful to Paul and Melissa and (laughs) If you are ever listening out there, um, we haven't forgotten. It was, uh, you know, yes. we, we love you guys. And it really makes us think highly of the park, too, to me. I, I think back and I think about that experience that we had. We we did, I really loved this park a lot mm-hmm. um, for a lot of reasons. And another reason we wanted to talk about it when we talked about the people of the parks is because it's such a unique park in that, in how it serves its community. Um, Cuyahoga Valley, for anyone who doesn't know it's located in between Akron and Cleveland in Ohio um along the what is that the Erie the canal yeah the canal Canal. the Erie I think it has two names yeah it's the Erie and Ohio canal okay got it right there (laughs) Ohio and Erie Ohio and Erie canal um and so it's it's an urban park and it's very different from other national parks in that it's less of a, it, from our experience, it, it seemed le- like less of a um, destination, you know, not it's not really a vacation spot that people really go to, but it's definitely a, a weekend spot, and a, um, even we saw lots of people that looked like they were just going there for a run after work and using it for exercise and and that's definitely something that we didn't see at other national parks yeah full of locals maybe stopping by after work or taking their families out and that was you know we contrasted that to arches or the grand canyon that we had just come from in utah where it drew people from all over the world and they were there for you know a couple days camping out and it was their huge family vacation this was just a afternoon visit and Um, they had a lot of good programs to support that community involvement we wrote about it on our blog we wrote our whole post about this Um, but some of the things we wanted to highlight they had their community involvement included things like the farmer's market that they had every week mm-hmm. in the park. Um, that was unique. Uh, they they have, there are actually farms located inside the national park, I believe. Yeah, lots of old farms and houses, and it, you could really tell that it was urban. It wasn't pure, pure nature, um, but that also gave it a certain charm and character, mm-hmm. like, and then... Beyond the farmer's market, there was, you know, these farms that had, we love the corn maze. Yeah, we did it was, that. we went during fall. It was about, it was um, early, mid-October when we went. And so we picked out our pumpkins and we did a corn maze and we just had a lot of, a lot of fun. Our little baby pumpkin that we put on about the size of a sand dollar that we put on our <laughs> uh, dashboard but okay what else oh there the ghost were, stories yes yeah, so many ranger programs um, yeah for and that really serve the community and i think the one we went to several but the our favorite was the ghost story one yeah that was just at one night it was around halloween so good timing yeah and they basically you went to this part of the park you could join a group and they took you on a little walking tour around the lake area and at different 
spots, basically stations along the way, they had people set up to tell these in costume and everything to tell these ghost stories. And it was really unique and really fun to be in the spirit of fall and everything. Um, so we loved that. There was also a, on Sunday morning, there was a, um, like, walk in the woods exercise yeah, program. Yeah, but it was more, yeah, it was more geared towards fitness. It wasn't just, you know, a ranger guided walk. It was more like specifically fitness oriented and that's how it was marketed mm-hmm. we actually tried to go to that one and we couldn't find it we couldn't we were too late we so we got plenty of exercise trying to walk <laughs> around and find the place right but stuff like that i think is so cool and you can tell that cuyahoga valley the national park has a very specific population it's you know like we said a lot of locals and a lot of day trippers and field trip kids and um and they really do a good job i think of catering to that population yeah you didn't put this one on the notes but i also really liked the fossil hunt that we oh, did yeah that was i thought so that fun. was unique also because we met our so the people of the parks that we actually put in the blog was ranger josh who uh we kind of just told his story and how he you know proposed to his wife in um, on Cadillac Mountain and everything like that. So the, yeah, I always forget how Paul and Melissa weren't even our people of the parks officially. Right, <laughs> Ranger Josh and Ranger Josh, both oh, yeah. of uh, of the fossil hunt, um, which was really just unique. You just went down to this stream bed and hunted around for fossils for an hour and got you know you could use the microscopes and take a look at what you saw and. People so fun. from the college were really there cool. to kind of interpret um, the anything you found. So, yeah, that was just, they had a ton of unique things like that. In addition to some of the natural stuff that we liked. Mm-hmm. So some of the other highlights, just, you know, not necessarily, those were the things we just talked about were really ways that I think the park focuses on people and the community but some of the other things that we really enjoyed of course the waterfalls those were some of my favorite um they had bridal veil falls i feel like every park has a bridal veil falls. <laughs> every every state park every national every everything anywhere how many bridal veil falls are there in in the country a million a lot yeah <laughs> it's a type of waterfall I, we learned i know but it's still can you come up with a more creative name um, Brandywine Falls was another very popular one. There were, were a couple others, like Blue Hen Falls. Um, and I think we went to every single one that we could. Mm-hmm. They were all amazing. <laughs> um, we really liked, another trail we really liked was called The Ledges. And that's very popular. But we went in the evening and there weren't very many people. And we walked, we kind of looped the trail around to this scenic overlook where we watched the sunset. Yeah. That was a very nice trail. Definitely my favorite because it has, I mean, these huge ledges. And you're just walking through them, especially at, you know, in at dusk in the fall, just leaf strewn um, passageways through these huge rock alleyways almost. Of course, probably the most popular activity there is biking the towpath trail, which is, oh, how many, 100 miles maybe? It, it connects Akron to Cleveland, I think. Yeah. The whole trail. Um, and it's a long train. It's a longer railroad, and you can actually bike one way and take the train back for only two dollars per person. We tried to do this, and then we just didn't time it right, and maybe they didn't have 
rides on Sundays or something? They didn't. They didn't was that have, what it was? Yeah, the train wasn't running when we were there. So that was kind of a bummer, but we want to go back and maybe do that. We did rent bikes and, and took From it out. Century Cycles, the real cool old cycle shop mm -hmm. right on the trail. Yeah, that um, was fun. So you can bring bikes or you can rent them there and uh, go as far as you want and come back and... Um, you know, the not the whole path is in the park, but there's a big section of it that is within the park boundaries. And then, like we said, we just loved the ranger programs. We did the Ghost Stories ranger program. We went to the Beaver Marsh. Beaver Marsh is the one I was thinking of. Where that was another really cool thing. Where we met the volunteer lady there, and she gave us our binoculars to use. She had a bunch of binoculars to use. And we saw all the beavers in the marsh and, and uh, otters and geese flying in. Um, yeah, just really pretty setting. But also learned from her that Cuyahoga Valley has the most volunteers out of any national park because it's so um, local and so much a part of the community. So that was just cool to see that first person. Yeah, super unique park. Um all right. Is yeah. that all we want to talk about for Cuyahoga Valley? Yeah, I think so. So let's talk about an even maybe more unique park. And more local, like focusing on local culture too, which was American, the National Park of American Samoa. It's the only park where the National Park part is first. Did you know that? I, I do <laughs> remember that because we kept saying it wrong. American we, Samoa National Park? No. Nope. It's National Park of American Samoa, a very unique, probably one of the most unique and also most remote national parks of all the national parks. Yeah, and I think you said it best that people of the parks has a whole other meaning here. Uh, there are actually people who live in the park. They, uh, It's a really unique arrangement between the NPS and the citizens of American Samoa because in the Samoan culture, the people own the land and uh, communally own the land and they lease so the NPS leases the land from these people and um, yeah it's, it's just a real small um, area that is actually the national park and it's all uh, there are a bunch of villages within it and homes within the parkland and everything and yeah, we just really loved seeing how it's in inter interwoven with the community. Right. So the NPS definitely works with um, the citizens of American of the country of American Samoa to incorporate all of this, all of their history, their culture, their um, their um, rituals into visiting the park, into the, the into the you know national park experience for visitors, and so. They do. They have all these annual cultural events. They have their biggest thing is their homestay program. And that that's the, the big way that they try to really engage visitors into the culture. Um, and I think it's the only park that's like this. Oh, I know it's the only park that's like this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they have a homestay program where they and part of this is because there is no camping allowed anywhere on the island. Because it's, again, a com communally owned. So mm -hmm. camping on you know, the community's land is just very looked down on. And if you camped somewhere, it would be kind of saying that, you know, you can't 
um, you don't have a home for yourself. So it, it's kind of a very taboo thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they are such a welcoming and nurturing community that mm-hmm. that, that that is not something that's, yeah, that's something that's looked down upon. Um, but their homestay program, so the National Park will give you a phone number if you want to, and you can contact um, a person who, a family who's agreed to host visitors. And so you can choose your village. We chose the village of Vatia, which is which is where really the center, the heart of the national park, and that's why we wanted to pick it. It's also, which we didn't learn, it's super remote within the island of um, Tutuila. Is that how you say it? Tutuila? I think so. <laughs> there are two islands, or three islands, I guess, of three main islands of American Samoa, and we stayed on the main, the big one, Tutuila. Um, and so we stayed in Vatia with a family, and w- how the homestay program works you pay the family a set fee. Ours ended up, well, we, the set price is usually $50 a night. Right. And we were with the, a couple other, um, a, two other friends who were also doing a lot of national park traveling. They actually were going, it was crazy story. We met them basically online because they were doing the same project we were visiting all 59 national parks in theirs was 59 weeks uh, instead of a year and they were about on the same schedule like they started a little before us Mm -hmm. and um, we just were really lucky to be going to American Samoa at the same time so we decided we shared a homestay with them yeah which was such a good idea I them for a first time they were awesome we had so much fun um and it was really cool to just, um, well, I guess first of all, it was kind of challenging to set up the homestay <laughs> because we were flying in from Hawaii, uh, from Honolulu. There are only two flights a week to this uh, island, to, to American Samoa. So, you know, expensive flights. We got in. And we didn't know, we had kind of tried to coordinate as much as we could with these people we were staying with who we had no idea who they were. We just got their number off the NPS website and tried to coordinate a pickup with them. We didn't know if it had really, you know, been communicated because they were mostly speaking another language, uh, Samoan, that we didn't know. So we were hoping we were just going to have somebody there to pick (laughs) us up. We had no idea what they looked like. They didn't know what we looked like. We were a little easier to pick out because we were, you know, the two uh, weird-looking white people with huge backpacks uh, yeah, very few, very few tourists to this island. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of, that was a strike in our favor. <laughs> but when they picked us up, we rode, you know, in their truck back to the remote part of the island in Vatia. It was, um, first of all, just so beautiful, the setting of the island. Gorgeous. In a little bay. And, you know, the mountains all behind it because it was a super mountainous island. Um, And immediately we just got to meet the whole family, basically, because there are, I don't know, maybe three, four generations there. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, very communal. So the the matriarch and patriarch, kind of grandma and grandpa, have a bunch of their um, daughters in and sons in one 
under one roof and they all have their kids staying there too so huge family and it was just really uh, cool to be a part of of such a a big family and in their uh, welcomed into their into their home yeah i don't think i think no other park at during our visit to any other park did people make such a big difference I think in our experience, you know, we had, interact. of course, a lot of positive interactions at other parks with different people, but here it was, it just, it just made it what it was, was because of this family and because of the other people we met in American Samoa, you know, everyone, it was so, we, we came across so many welcoming, hospitable people in the whole island, you know, in the whole country, um, willing to, especially, you know, wanting to explain their culture and wanting to share that with us, I think was, was really, was really cool for us. And so we, we, you know, did everything, pretty much everything that they did. We ate a lot of Samoan food. We, um, you know, they have a curfew. And so we, you know, a a village curfew that you have to be home at a certain time for prayer every day. We participated in that. We um, followed the village expectations. There's, they have a thing about Sundays where, you know, Sundays is their big church day. And um, really, and even the NPS kind of tells you this in the, at the visitor center that, you know, don't plan on going hiking or snorkeling or anything like that on Sundays because it is kind of frowned upon for any kind of recreational activities to go on on Sundays and so we participated in all these things and I think that was a very important part of the process and that's why I'm glad we did not stay in a hotel I mean there was only maybe one hotel on the whole island yeah (laughs) but we didn't you know we didn't choose a different route because it it, really the park is is so small and it's right by itself so being able to meet these people and get to know them really broadened our experience like just doing simple stuff like uh, playing rugby with them or th- playing a touch football game on this concrete pad right outside the house. It, it was insane how... They're so tough. They're so tough, <laughs> and they the ran around playing these, you know, really, uh, these sports, like running full out in either bare feet on concrete and gravel or in the flimsiest flip-flops you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Um, where I had, you know, these hiking boots on and still I was the only one that managed to step on this super slick spot of the concrete and eat it. Um, so anyway, it it was, it, it was really fun to just be part of their daily life. Mm -hmm. Um, see when they brought home a bunch of fish that they just caught in the bay and how we had that the next day night um or go up to their plantation their plantation that was one of my favorite parts is you know in the village every family gets a certain you know section of their of the hillside behind behind the village and we went and harvested some coconuts and some um mango mango and their that's where they get their cocoa we had this delicious hot cocoa drink every morning that was so rich and so good Kind of like hot chocolate, but not quite as sweet, um, but definitely rich, rich, rich. So good. Yeah, and we got to go up there and just pick, you know, pick uh, the fruit with them, and that's where they went to get all their fresh fruit. And then we, um, one of the 
boys took us up farther up the mountain and he showed us where they like to um, basically take a bath in the <laughs> the waterfall that flowed down from the mountain fills up this huge tank and when it was our only bath that month. Yeah, when you <laughs> right. <laughs> Literally, um there was. When you need to clean up, uh, you just go and dip yourself in this tank. It's a huge you know, so refreshing. Yeah, six by six or seven by seven cube of water. Um, but anyway, it, stuff like that is just made seeing... us so much more meaningful to us. Mm-hmm. We also enjoyed a, a. There are a few other highlights that we wanted to talk about: the bats, the paya. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest. The Samo- Samoan word for bats. Paya. Yes. Uh, one of the coolest wildlife we saw all year were these bats. They have a three foot wingspan. They're gigantic. And they're just everywhere on this island. They're the only native mammal to mm-hmm. the island. Um, you mean those rabid dogs that we saw oh following gosh. us and they have a like, huge stray dog us down all the time? Yeah, they have a big native. stray dog problem. Um, but the bats were awesome, and the kids love to point them out and show them to us and show them the tree that is in the um, in the I guess more in the in the city in the main part of the city full of bats just like during the day yeah they're all just hanging oh my gosh it was crazy hanging out uh we also liked the visitor center was actually really good it was yeah um and that was in the city of pago pago yeah there were a couple things to do in the city so definitely don't miss it if you go um and then besides that We did a couple of the trails, and there weren't, again, a lot of trails because it's a small park, it's a very small island, it's a very small population. But But staying in Vatia allowed us to to just walk to these trailheads, which I think was huge, because if we wouldn't have lived there, it would have been really hard to be able to take a bus to get here, you know, to get to the trails, and it would have been a lot more complicated. So I would definitely recommend staying in Vatia if you can. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of our the trails we did like we could there was like a little you know quarter mile trail out past the village to Pola Island or to a view of Pola Island and you can just kind of walk out on the rocks and see the the little like sea stack type things coming big you know island yeah not very big but very steep island just jutting right out of the water huge nesting ground for the seabirds Mm -hmm. Uh, there's also Tuafenua Trail that leads. You know, to the other unpopulated side of the coast, uh, there's Mount Alava Adventure Trail. That one was cool. That it's like an was it eleven miles? It was like a loop, mm-hmm. a loop trail, and it was pretty difficult, um, especially in you know ninety five degree weather with mosquitoes and oh my god and humidity. Um, we were sweating bullets. Yeah, the whole time. And they have, but they, it's cool because they have all these ladders that you kind of, that help you like get up the hills and everything. And so, um, I think that's where the adventure part comes in, at least according to the brochure. It's pretty cool. They think it's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So no matter what, if you go to American Samoa, you are going to have an adventure. So, and make sure that adventure includes the people, Uh, you know, okay. Last thing I want to mention the, the night before we left. You remember that? We no had a talent show. 
Oh, in yeah. American Samoa. Oh, my gosh. So the last night Highlight. we were there with the family, they put on a talent show for us where all the kids got up and did their dances, and a and lot dan- of it was traditional Samoan dance that they learned in school, and then a lot of it was all these basically pop songs that they knew better than us from the states and were doing you know, the nene and everything they're like that such good they were such good dancers really good and of course they put on their little show and then they looked at all the four of us and they were like your turn <laughs> so we just stared at each other and we stood up there and we were like hokey pokey put your left foot and they were like you know they looked at us like we were just gigantic dorks um, we did the electric slide after that, but we forgot the moves basically. And so. one of them taught it. One of that. One of the family knew how to do it. Taught it so back to us. They taught it to us, which was just ironic. <laughs> we spreading, spreading American culture. Yeah. To people who know it better than we do. <laughs> right. But that was just a ton of fun. A great way to end the trip. For so. sure. Yeah. We'll always remember American Samoa. Probably never be, be never go back, but we will always remember it. That's right. So, I think to kind of wrap up our discussion about people of the parks, we just wanted to reiterate the fact that if you go to a national park, always make it a point to connect with somebody. You know, at the visitor center, a fellow traveler, someone who works at the park, someone who maybe lives at the park. Just have a conversation with someone at an overlook or on a trail and say hi to people and it really does make a difference in your experience and their experience and and everyone everyone understands you know everyone you, it's easier to understand the park when you look at it through the perspective of different people all right so we are now going to do a listener question this is it's that part of the show so if you by the way have a question for us we'd love to hear it just go to our blog, switchbackkids.com, and leave us a voicemail, preferably. Yeah, if you go to switchbackkids.com slash podcast, you can actually leave a voicemail on the site. Um, you just, you know, click a button and talk into your computer and leave us a voicemail. That would be the a really cool way for us to share questions. And this question comes from an email we got. Uh, from a listener. I won't share their name because we didn't uh, say that we're going to share it, but it's a good question because we get asked a variation of this all the time. And it is, were you concerned with black bears while you slept or camped inside your tent? What do you think? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still. And if if you've been longtime followers of our blog, you know that I am a giant baby. And especially when it comes to bears, I was, I'm still, I don't think I really, I've, I think I faced this fear for sure. Well, I had to. I made sure of that. Because of this guy over here. Yeah. But I don't think I really got over it necessarily. I'm still very afraid of bears. Yeah. And <laughs> you might guess that this is where we differ. I think that if you're prepared and if you are taking the proper precautions, they are nothing to worry about, nothing to stress over. Um, you know, bear encounters are very rare, and bear deaths, it's like one a year in the whole U.S. So, you know, out of all the people who are outside all the time, I think our chances 
uh, were pretty good in avoiding that. I will say that as afraid of them as I am, the NPS does a really good job at making sure everybody is safe and making sure that, you know, people are educated. And if, as long as you're paying attention even a little bit to some of the signs and the warnings and the ranger programs and the visitor center, um, all the, you know, all the information there, then you'll be just fine. And just make sure you're, when you're in your tent, that you are... Uh, don't have any smellables, uh, no oh toothpaste, no deodorant. How many times did I punch you in the face because you left <laughs> sunscreen in the tent overnight? Uh, yeah. I got so <laughs> mad. You got pretty mad. <laughs> More than once, maybe. But um, make sure all that stuff is out. I punched him in the face with my words, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you don't obviously put <laughs> your food in and all of your smellables in a bear canister. If you're in the backcountry or in your bear box, if you're in an established campground. And if you're using that bear canister, make sure you take it a hundred feet at least away make sure you're preferably cooking and eating a hundred feet away from your camp and where you're sleeping because you don't want to give those burrs any um any reason to come sniffing around thank you Um, ranger cole you betcha so yeah um we did see we did see lots of bears. Well, I wouldn't say lots. I would say several bears during our trip. Way fewer than I thought we would, though. Yeah. So they're out there, but they're all friendly. Trust me. Ugh. <laughs> no, I will not. <laughs> all right. Thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next week with our very first interview. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend. Give us a rating on iTunes or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Switchback Kids. And you can always get more National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out.